Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're starting a brand new series that I have entitled Welcome Home. This is something that you may have seen around our church all the time, and you may think it's just kind of like a cool slogan that we have, but there's actually a huge meaning behind it. When we started the church, uh, we used this a lot, and uh, I know that other churches have used this, but this is a very special, it has a very special meaning to me and to our church, and so in the next couple weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Father heart of God, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this title, because today I've been titled today, The Day. God ran. The day God ran. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And I really believe that at the end of this series, what's going to happen is you are going to just live at a different level. You're going to understand God's heart. It's a series about mercy. It's a series about grace. I can't tell you how many times I'm still talking with good Christian people who even in been in the faith for 15 years and they're still struggling with sin consciousness. They're still struggling with the grace consciousness. Even in our growth track this last week as we talked about the difference between a sin consciousness and we talked about the difference between a grace consciousness and I always ask the question in growth track if I would really to evaluate your thoughts this week what percentage of your thoughts were had a sin consciousness and what percent had a grace consciousness and almost all the time people will tell me you know pastor Phil I focus more on my mistakes I focus more on my failures I'm focusing more on on my mess-ups, on my sins. But you know, how many of you know God wants us to have a grace consciousness? And I think that that really comes from not understanding the heart of God. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at how God welcomes people to his house. I want to ask you a question. If you were to look and evaluate your relationship with your earthly father growing up, what would what would that be like? What What would you say growing up? For some people, like myself, they never met their real dad. I, I found out I was adopted. And uh, and so at a very young age, I was maybe six or seven months, I was adopted. And, and so that was the person that I called my dad. For others of you, you have a great example of who a father is. And for others, maybe he was, he was distant. Maybe he was non-affectionate. But I would ask you, was there stability in your home? You know, was there affection? Was there discipline in your home? You know, I think for us, we had more correction than affection. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I just lived in a different time. I, I loved my father and he is now passed and we had a great relationship. But I was thinking about the way we lived our life back then to compare the way my son lives his life now. And I think we just had way more discipline and correction. And maybe it was just the way I thought about it because like, my parents would never let us in the house. Like they were always get out and play outside, play outside. No, no, you're not coming in. And here was what was interesting is that they didn't know where we were half of the time. They didn't know where we were, but I'm going to tell you this. When my mom opened that door and said, dinner is ready. You better, no matter where you were in the city, you better have been back within two minutes or you were getting a whooping. You were getting a spanking. How many of you grew up with spankings? Let me see your hands. You know what's interesting? Very interesting. Everybody that grew up with spankings in church today, (laughs) everybody that didn't is not, right? But we all, we all turned out pretty good. But I want to tell you, we were spanked. My goodness. And you know what? You don't know anything about old church. Like our old church, we had a bookstore 
that sold all these books. But in my old church, in my previous church, in the old days, they sold paddles to spank your kids with. And here's what happens on one side of the paddle. It had Jesus on the other side of the paddle. My dad bought like three of them. All right. And so on the other side, it had loves. So I knew how much Jesus loved me. I just had to turn around when I took a shower and my rear end was the poster child that said, Jesus loves my, my wife goes, Phil, you don't even have a rear end. I said, I know because my, my parents just, I, we got whoopings. That, that was the thing. And, and, you know, this generation and, and just, you know, take a timeout. My butt would have loved a timeout. Come on, somebody. And uh, as you're probably assuming now that I was the rebellious child and I was and I was. But growing up, I just think we had more correction than affection, at least in my. And I remember thinking back as, you know, my dad would would say funny things that that parents would say because he's like, Phil, go, go to your room. And, and I knew I knew what was coming. I was going to get a little bit of Jesus love from the paddle. And, and so, you know, you get up there and then I assume the position. And uh, my dad would say funny things. And I don't know what your dad would tell you, but my dad would say this. He would say, look, and he'd have the paddle in his hand. He says, I'm doing this because I love you. And I would think in my head, well, dad, I love you, too. So give me the paddle and let me show you and mom and grandma how much I love you as well. I, 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 and, and uh, you know, you think certain things. But then he would say this. I don't know if your dad or parent ever said this to you. He said, he said, um, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I said, OK. And so I assumed the position and boom, man, he, he whacked me. And I remember just thinking about what he said, that this is going to hurt him more than it's going to hurt me. So I just remember screaming at the top of my lungs. Ah! I went, hey, hey, what's what's going on? And I said, Dad, listen, I can't stand to see you hurt yourself this way. I can't I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Stop, Dad. Stop. Stop hurting yourself this way. But, you know, my dad, as, as he grew in the Lord and he, he was, he was affectionate and, and towards the end of his life there, we have a great relationship. But the reason why I asked you about your earthly father is because how you viewed your earthly father is so important because the way you view your earthly father, you were actually created, earthly fathers were created to be a reflection of the heavenly father. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. He said, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts. Everybody say good gifts. Good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more will your heavenly father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So even from God's perspective, all fathers, even ones who were not Christian were created to imitate God's goodness. And I want to tell you, this is not a message. You go like Pastor Phil Father's Day was a, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I understand, but I think that's what we do. We categorize it because we have a father whose heart is, is, is beats with passion for his children. And this is what Jesus is going to start to describe because the story we're about to read takes place because Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes because they're, they're, they're criticizing him for sitting with the sinners and the tax collectors. I want to tell you something about Jesus. The sinners love Jesus. 
Sinners love Jesus, and Jesus loved sinners. And I want to tell you why. He didn't like what they did all the time, but Jesus always stopped and talked and sat with people who would receive from him. And remember Zacchaeus climbing up the tree, and he knew his name. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. The difference between the sinners and the scribes were the scribes felt like they didn't need Jesus. They were just self-righteous because of their own works that they could approach God. But sinners actually realized, we need a savior. And Jesus loved that. And if I were to ask you today, before we read Luke chapter 15, verse 11, I'm going to get there in a minute. But if I were to ask you, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? What would you say? Go ahead, shout it out. Why did, why did Jesus come? To save us? Save us. Absolutely. That's the number one answer. And he did. But you know, there's, there's a ton of other reasons why he came. Another reason why Jesus came was the Bible says that he came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to destroy, 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the work of the enemy. Can I just take a sidebar here today? We sang this today. The, the enemy is not even a rival of God. The enemy is defeated. He is a defeated foe. And I get upset and I get passionate about this because so many Christians are still afraid of so many things. And I just want to let you know, if you're afraid of a defeated foe, how dumb is that? And that's what he does. And fear opens the door to the enemy. But I just want to remind you today that the enemy is defeated. Can I hear a good amen today? And it's one of the reasons why Jesus came. But can I tell you, there's another reason why Jesus came. He came us to show us the Father. Jesus said, because they asked him, Jesus, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. And so Jesus came to reveal the Father. And so he is about to tell a story to these uh, uh, Pharisees and scribes because he spoke in parables. Why did he speak in parables? Because he wanted to illustrate spiritual principles with natural stories. And so he's going to talk about the Father heart of God, how God is passionate about lost people. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Have you found it by now? If you haven't found it, give it up. But uh, you know what? It's going to be on this big Bible behind me. It says this, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, then he said, this is Jesus, a certain man had two sons. How many sons did he have? Two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, uh, gathered all together journey and journey to a far off country. And there was, he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there arose a famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the, the swine ate because no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he saw him and he had compassion 
The Bible says this. Let me read that again. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this son who was dead and who, who was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found and they began to be merry. I want to say that again because this is what God is doing for someone who is coming home. God is throwing a celebration and he's, he's, he's wants everybody to have a party because one person who was dead is now alive. And I say that because some people have this idea that God is this cosmic killjoy and that he doesn't want his people to party. But I'm going to tell you what, God is the first one that will throw a party for somebody who repents and comes back home. Because this is the life that he wants us to have. He wants his people to say, welcome home, just like he said, welcome home to this son. Now, when you look at this story, the father in this story represents God the father. I want you to notice something about this. This father is wealthy. He owns an estate. And so the son comes to the father and he's asking for his share of the estate. He's asking for his inheritance. And I think what's important for us to understand in this, a son coming to the father, asking for his share of his inheritance is very disrespectful. It's actually very rude because they only got this when the father had passed away. And so basically what the son is insinuating to the father is he's saying, I wish you were dead. He's saying, listen, can I be honest with you what he's saying? He's saying this, dad, I want to live my life with all the benefits owed to me, yet I don't want to have a relationship with the one who's given it to me. And you know what, my church family? Many people live this kind of life today. God, I want life. Man, I want to live my life like Bon Jovi said. It's my life. But here's the thing, God. I want that life apart from you. I want the life, but I don't want to have a relationship with the one who will give me life. And this is what he's saying. And so many people live this. And you know what I have found, my church family? Sometimes God will give you exactly what you want. It's amazing, and this may be a surprise to you, but the Father gives him his inheritance. God has given so many people life. The chance to live, the chance to dream, the chance to breathe, the chance to get married, the chance to see a beautiful child and have a child and be a father, be a mother, work an incredible job. God gives people life. Can you say a good amen today? But this person, this son, he wants to live a life apart from the life giver. And we're going to see what happens to him. The Bible says that he takes his money and he goes to Las Vegas, right? That's the message translation. He goes to Las Vegas, right? And he starts spending all. And we're going to find out later in this series, this guy has a reputation. He's spending all. And the Bible says this, that he squandered his wealth. He wasted his wealth on riotous living. You know, this word wasted in the Greek, I like to look up Greek words. The New Testament was written in Greek and the the uh, Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the word wasted means this. He started scattering his wealth 
but his wealth started dissipating. It's wasted. Listen to this word. It means it began to just rot. It began to rot. And as I read this story, I asked myself this question. I said, what is this guy really looking for? What is, what is he really looking for? Because we found out later that he's spending his money on harlots. What, what, what is he really looking for? He loses all his friends. How many of you know sometimes when you run out of money, you run out of friends? Come on, somebody. He loses that. He loses all his friends. And the Bible says no one would give him anything. And the challenge with him now is there's a famine and he's hungry. He's hungry. And so he's hungry and he has no money. He has no money. My church family, I'm going to tell you something. This is the life without God. Oh, it may seem that things are going good. It may seem that you look at people and they're like, man, they're rich. They have their career. They're not living for the Lord. But eventually what happens is their hunger starts to call. And the Bible says that he had no money. And so he starts to realize that he has this hunger. And can I just encourage everybody this morning? We all have a hunger that we cannot fill. You cannot fill it on your own. And so the Bible says this, he was so hungry that he gets a job feeding pigs. Now, you have to understand in this culture, for him to do this, this was a curse. This was a curse on your life. Now, I, I want to I go a little bit deeper in this because I want you to understand the extent of his hunger. The Bible says that he's so hungry that he begins to look at the pig slop and he finds that attractive. He begins to look at the pig slop and go, hmm, man, I was a vegetarian, but you know what? I'm really, really hungry. And that becomes attractive. You know what I ask myself? I ask myself, what is pig slop? You know what pig slop is? Pig slop is leftovers. Pig slop is leftovers. And what we're going to find out in this series is that when he comes home, the father is going to kill the fatted calf. The father's going to kill the fatted calf. Today, I'm going to talk to you about five reactions of the father, but the father also gives him five gifts when he comes home. How many of you want to know what those five gifts are? Let me see your hands. Great. You're going to have to come back next week. So here's the reality. When you jump into the gifts, the father has a fatted cow. It's a calf that they're actually making fat that they're reserving for a special guest. Watch this. The father has a calf that is fat and ready to be eaten. It's the best that the father has to offer. But the life without God is always settling for leftovers. And it's sad because he's settling for, for leftovers. I, I put this in my notes. He's got leftover food and he's got leftover love. Because he's purchasing love through harlots. And this is the life, my church family, without God. Connected to God. I call it the leftover life. You're just getting leftovers. Eventually, this is what happened. And this was never the will of the Father. The will of the Father is not that you get leftovers because you're going to see when he comes home, the Father says, get the best robe. Come on, somebody. The best, not leftover. Get the best robe. Get the fatted calf. God says, right? Jesus says, I came that you might have life and life more of leftovers. He says, no, I came to give you life and life more what? And life more what? Abundantly. So now 
because he's feeding the swine, he's cursed. But this parable reminds us that there's a hunger in you that can only be filled by your heavenly father. I want to go deeper for a minute. In your relationship with God, you need to understand something. Not every hunger is a physical hunger. Sometimes I think it disguises itself as that. And sometimes we can fill it with food. But there are some of you that you're hungry and it's because God wants to take you to another level. He wants to take you to another level. That's why he said, right, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. That's why I think praying in the spirit is so important. You know, we are a spirit filled church. We believe in speaking in tongues. You know, I do it every single day. And the Bible says that when you do that, you edify yourself. Sometimes I realize that I'm hungry, something I need a little bit more. And can I just encourage you today? Not every hunger is a physical hunger. Sometimes it's a hunger for you need to start spending some more time with your father. It's a hunger that you need to start getting back in the word. You need to pray a little bit more because God wants to fill you. Because here's what I realized. When there's a spiritual hunger, nothing can fill you but the presence of Almighty God. Can I hear a good amen today? And to be honest with you, how we handle that hunger is so important. You know what sin really is? Sin is when we try to fill a God-felt need in an ungodly way. We all have hunger. You know that hunger will never go away until you die? You can diet, you can do shakes, you can fast, all that. But how many of you know after you get off your fast, you're still hungry, even more hungry? Can I hear a good amen today? Because the hunger has to be filled. And so what he does is he is finds the leftover that the pigs have very attractive. But I want to encourage you today, my church family, we need to allow God to fill this hungry hunger because the truth is, I don't care who we are today, who you are today. We all need the love of the Father. I don't care how tough you've become. I don't care how tough you portray yourself to be. Every single one of us were created to be loved. And so he comes to this moment in his life. The Bible says it's a coming to his senses moment. And something begins to happen in his mind. He begins to think, wow, my father's house. And he has this thought. Even the servants in my father's house have more food than I'm looking at right now. So he starts thinking about the character of his father. I want you to think about this. Servants are the people that you, you pay, so you don't really have to treat nights. You can just pay him, give him what. And he's even thinking about what the servants in his father's house is eating. And he, he starts to think about, man, how good his father is to the servant. And he just wants to be a servant now. It's interesting because first, when he goes to the father, he's saying, give me dad, give me dad. But you know what? When he starts going back and after he repents, he says, instead of give me, he's like, make me, make me. I need to be molded. And it's interesting because this isn't what the son could do for the father. It was what the father could do for the son. He knows he has nothing to offer his dad. Nothing. He has nothing. But here's what he does. He realizes that he's got to go home. And the Bible says that he starts to rehearse his speech. And he starts to say this. He starts to say, look, I've sinned against heaven and earth. And I just want to be a servant in your house. And repentance is good, my church family. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. But can I just tell you what repentance really is? Repentance is, in the Greek, is the word metanoia. And it means this, to change your mind. 
It means a, a, a thought that comes in that you decide my mind is going to change and it leads to a life change. See, repentance isn't always. See, I had some family that grew up that they would come down to the altar and they would repent and some people would cry. Some people, you know, would get real emotional and I get it. But listen, it's not crying that makes you have a changed life. Right. It's not snot bubbles coming out of your nose going, man, I'm sorry. It's repentance. And for some people, it's crying for some people. Do you know what? While I'm preaching today, your mind is changing. Your mind is being renewing because in your mind, you're repenting just like this man. And what happens with this young man is what the Bible says in and. uh The Bible talks about how it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. He starts to look at his life and realize how better it was in his father's house. And so he begins to repent. And that's what the Bible says. It's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God where you look at God and go, man, that's so good. I want that because what I'm in is not so good. I want that. And he begins to repent. And he says, I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my dad. And I love this parable because it's focusing on what the son's doing, but it's also telling us another scene. And the other scene is that, and it's kind of happening simultaneously. The son is living. He's thinking about us, thinking about his dad. But the Bible says this, and I want to share with you today, Five reactions that the father had. And here's the first one. The Bible says that the father, as the son started to come home, the father saw him. The father had vision. You know, verse 20 says, he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. So this is happening simultaneously. This word saw in the Greek means he was aware of, knowledge of, he's paying attention to. It actually means that the father every day was looking for the son. Every day he was looking, when is my son coming home? So watch this. Here is the son. He's living and he's wasting his life. But the father is looking for the lost son. The father every day is looking and he's looking further than his house. He wants to know where his son is. And I can just imagine this father for just a moment walking through the hallways, walking through the hallways of his house, looking in his son's room and go, man, the bed is still not made. He's still not here. Sitting down at dinner and looking and seeing an empty chair and going, my son is still not home. And every day going out on the porch and go, will he come home today? And here's what I want to tell you, my church family. God sees our need for him. He sees it. And you know what I love about this? This father had a vision and saw beyond the son's past. He saw the son. And this is what's so important. And I want us as Christians to understand this. Your past is under the blood of Jesus Christ. When you repent, your past is no more. And I talk to so many people who cannot get past the prison of their past. And you know, here's what you're saying. You're really saying that what Jesus did on the cross is not enough. You're saying what you did is greater than what Jesus did. Hmm. My church family, can I tell you what it really is? It's pride. Because what Jesus did is greater than any sin that any man or woman could ever commit. That's why Jesus said it was finished. And so this father, 
He saw his son a long way off. Number two, look at the way this father reaction reacted. It says the father had compassion. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. Anybody thankful that we have a God that is filled with compassion? Can I hear a good amen today? And the Bible says this, he was filled with compassion. That means there was no bitterness in the father's heart, no anger. He was, he wasn't angry, right? The only one that was angry was the older, older brother. We're going to talk about that. But the father, you know, when he goes and he sees the son, he doesn't even bring up the past. He doesn't even bring up the past and he is showing his his love towards this son. This shows me that God loves us unconditionally. Our The love of God is not based on our performance. The love of God is based on God's character. God is love. You know, there's nothing that you could do to make God love you more. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, I think I need to go to Africa and be a missionary and God's really going to be pleased with me. No, he's not. Because you're probably going to be grumpy over there anyway if you weren't called to go over there. But you know what? God loves you. And his love is not based on what you do. His love is based on who he is and his character. God is always loving us. But you know what? We need to respond to this love. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I want to remind you of something. This son rejected the father. This son that is coming home, my church family, he wasted all of his money. He spent his money on wild living. And let me also tell you this. Do you remember? He was cursed. He was cursed. And here's... The cherry on top. He's coming back to the father to ask him for more. I need food. Everybody look at me today. This son has nothing to offer the father. We're going to talk about this. He comes home. He doesn't even have shoes on his feet. He has nothing to offer his father. Are you ready? The Bible says that before the son said his little speech, the father had compassion. See, God love comes to you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, it says, God doeth and commandeth his love towards us while we were even in sin. God loved us and Christ died for us. That's how great the love of God is. Now, he repented, and that's important. You know, they say that repentance, it's called the vomiting of the soul. It's good to, to be able to say, I, I, I realize that I messed up. It's good. It's very good. But you know what? Even before you repented, God still loved you. Can I hear a good amen today? But you know, God loves us so much, he sent his son into the world to die on the cross for us. But when you think about this, it's a huge thought. God loved you so much, he didn't want to spend eternity without you. You and I will spend eternity in the presence of God. Not because he needed you, because he wanted you, because he loves you so much. And what I'm trying to do, and I know it's so quiet right now, because some of us are so into our routine and our performance and God and this and that. And look, God and God's like, I loved you before you even knew I loved you. And you know what I found with a lot of people is really hard 
to receive the love of God. Because so much of our life is based on performance. But I will tell you this, when you receive his love, it changes your life. It changes your life. My church family, we have a God that is moved with compassion. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Listen to me, my church family. Jesus was moved with compassion. One translation or one definition of the word compassion is a heart of mercy. God is moved with a heart of mercy. And let me just define mercy. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserved. God took out his wrath on his son, Jesus. And all we have to do is believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So the father saw and the father had compassion. And are you ready? Here's number three. The father ran to his son. This is a part in the Bible. The father represents God. This is the part in this chapter where God ran to a son. It says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. You know, this word actually means in the Greek, it means he sprinted towards his son. I love this other definition in the Greek. The word run means to spend one's strength in performing or attaining something. It's pretty amazing because God wants to be the one doing the work. God wants to be the one that's lifting your soul. God wants to be your provider. God wants to be the one that's working in your life. But so many of us have gotten into this performance mentality with God. God's not looking for your performance. He's looking for your faith. He wants you to believe in him. Let him do the work. Can I hear a good amen today? And so the father is running. You know, this other word, this word uh, run in the Greek actually means this. It denotes somebody who is in extreme peril. And so this father is literally sprinting to a son who wasted everything. And now he's cursed. Now he's cursed. But God ran to him. You know, what's interesting in this culture, while Jesus is talking to them, they're all perplexed. Because in this culture, it was considered undignified for people over 30 to run. Because they would have to actually pick up their robes and it would show their undergarment. And when they ran, they had to pick up their robes. How often do you see rich people run? Right? You ever see Jeff Bezos, right? In his, in his suit running? Mark, no, you don't, you don't see, right? And maybe it's good. Maybe it's good, right? that they don't run and they don't ride bicycles, right? Because we saw our president, you know, God, God help that man. You know, I mean, that, I guess that's what happens when rich people get on a bike and just, you know, it's like, hey, but, you know, they just, just kind of stay in their lane. But, you know, you don't see rich people run in my church family. Do you ever see a God run? This is the God that we serve, who Jesus says is running to an un, to a repentant son who's coming home. Here's number four. Are you glad you came to church today? Watch this, because the father's not done. The Bible says when he finally meets up with him, number four, the father embraces him. My church family, we have a God who does not withhold his affection. We have a God who is affectionate. We have a God who loves people and shows it. 
The Bible doesn't say that God so loved the world that he got a tissue and he cried because the world was so bad. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus touched people. Jesus was allowed to be touched. The people that touched Jesus couldn't touch anybody else because if they touched anybody else, they would become unclean. But when they touched Jesus, they became clean. So we have a God who allows us to touch him. And this father is embracing the son who smells like pigs, who is cursed, and the father wraps his arms around him. And this is my prayer, and this has been my prayer this whole week for this message. I pray today that you have a fresh encounter with the love of God, with the father heart of God, and that literally as you walk out of here, you sense his loving arms wrapping around you, telling you, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you. I thought you'd get a little more excited than that. And here's the last one for today. Because the father's not finished. Number five, he kissed him. He kissed him. Can I just be honest with you? The son should be kissing the father's feet. (laughs) So sorry. But the father is kissing the son. In the Greek, the language is just such... So it's so much more louder. In the Greek, it denotes that the father is kissing him and kissing him and kissing him and kissing him. We're very affectionate at our house. I love my son. And whether he likes it or not, I'm going to hug him. And there are sometimes I'll kiss him three or four times on his head. And he'll just look at me and go, Dad, why are you doing that? Because I haven't really done anything. I know you're my son. You're my son, and I love you. Can I just tell you? Go home, read the story. Listen, the father was so affectionate with the son, he never brings up his past. He's so busy loving him, putting his arms around him, and kissing him that he never brings up what he did. As a matter of fact, when the son starts saying his rehearsed speech, read it. It's almost like the father cuts him off and says, go get him the best robe. Go get him the fatted calf. We are going to party. Welcome home. You belong here. You are my child. That's why we say welcome home. Because we want people in the world to understand that if you will repent of your sins, there is a home for you with a father who loves you, who cares about you. And listen, you don't have to run from God. Actually, we have a God that when you repent, he runs to you all the time. It's the day that God ran. And so many people are focused on running away from God. And I got to tell you, we have a God that's running to you. Notice all of this. The father was waiting just for him to say, I need to come home. I want to close today with this. Today we talked about five reactions of the father, but next Sunday I'm going to talk about the five gifts My church family, the father's not done. He's going to give him five gifts. I want to tell you something about the number five. Five reactions of the father. Five in the scriptures always represent grace. Now I'm going to tell you, mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. But grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. He didn't deserve food. He didn't deserve to be let back in the house. But when you go through the five gifts next week, you're going to find out what the father's going to give him and he doesn't deserve it. So God not only gives us mercy, 
he gives us grace. And I want that to get inside of you today. And all God's looking for is you to respond. I want to close today with a, with a picture of grace. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the father and son team, Dick and Rick Hoyt. It's a fascinating story. It's, it's this video I'm about to show you will change your life. And I will tell you, you should probably get a couple Kleenexes if you're not ready. Because Rick, the son, he was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around his, his head and his neck. And because of that, he had little oxygen. So when he was born, he couldn't, he didn't have use of his legs. I think he had use of a little bit of his arms, maybe, and he couldn't talk at all. And so they came up with this computer that he could use where he could actually hit the top of the computer and communicate with his dad. But one day when Rick was in school, one of his friends in the class was in an accident and couldn't walk anymore. And so they were going to do a 5K run for this friend. And Rick taps on his computer and tells his dad, he says, I want to run in this 5K race. And what's interesting is the dad was like, he was over 40 years old. And he started training and they found a way to put Rick in this seat where the dad could push him in this 5k race. Well, that was one of the first races that they ran. After that, they began doing marathons and they actually began doing the, the, the triathlon. I don't know if you know what a triathlon is, but it's 2.4 miles of swimming, 26 miles of running, 112 miles of biking. Rick, and Dick Hoyt have now run 255 triathlons. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I want to show you a highlight of God's grace of a father who runs. And this is what's amazing. After the first race, Rick, the son, types on the computer. He says, Dad, when we're running, I don't even feel like I'm disabled. It's pretty amazing. I want you to check this out. This is Dick and Rick Amazing picture of God's love, huh? Would you all stand with me today? You know, we want God's house to be a place not for perfect people because none of us are perfect. But we want it to be a place where God's sons can come home. And with open arms, we can say, welcome home. Welcome home. And you know, this father heart of God, I think sometimes we can just lose sight of. And everything that we're doing, trying to live righteously, trying to live holy. And my church family, we can't live holy without his holiness in our hearts. We can't live whole righteous without his righteousness being in part. And I'm going to tell you, we can't live without his life being in us. And we can't love unless we're loved by him. And this morning, if you would just close your eyes, I'm going to say a prayer. Because I just believe some of us still have voids in our life. Some of us still have hunger. And to be honest, Sometimes that's where we mess up. That's where we give in to temptation because like the prodigal son, we're trying to fill a need, maybe even a heartfelt godly need, but in a gun godly way. And I want to remind you today that you have a God who is not distant. 
He's not a God of just religion. And people say, you know, it's a religion. No, it's a God who today is running to you. Wants to wrap his arms around you and love you the way you should be loved, the way you should be valued today. He loves us so much. And if you would, would you just take your hands and just open them in front of you and put them in a position to receive today? I know we're not worthy, but God makes us worthy. Sometimes like this son, we have nothing to give and we keep asking for more. And you should never feel guilty for asking God for more because that's the God that he is. That's what grace does. Grace gives you what you do not deserve. And what God is requiring us, his children, is faith. You know, many people do not have a faith problem. Many people have a love problem. And here's the reality. Faith works by love. When you realize how much God loves you, faith is easy. When my wife and I were diagnosed with COVID-19 and we went through it, man, every day I would wake up and remind myself that I am loved by God. Because you know what that did? That caused faith to arise in me. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I don't want it to sound weird. I'm not believing that God put that on me. That's not what I'm saying. But it's very easy when the enemy comes against you and attacks you to forget how much God loves you. And I would wake up every day and go, God, I know you love me. And my faith works by love today. And here's the cool thing. You didn't do anything to earn his love. It's just how good he is. It's how good he is. And parents, people, in your life today, receive that love of the heart of the Father. And I think it's important today, and I'm going to let you go in one minute. Why is it important? Because if us in God's house aren't allowing ourselves to be loved, that's why John always wrote, he was called the beloved, beloved. If we can't do it in God's house, how are we going to love other people who are hurting worse than us, who are going through it? Because they need it as well. The Bible says that they're going to know us by our love today. So be loved today. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much, Father, for today and your love. Father, we, we, we drink it in. We soak it in. Father, I pray that today for those that are still struggling, that you would wrap your arms around them, Father, as you did this son and let them know. Father, your affection, your love for them. Father, may it take us to a different level today. May we walk in your grace like never before. And Father, for those that are here today who are struggling, like the prodigal son, Lord, may today be a day that we come to our senses and we repent and we say, God, you're good. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be a part of your house and your family. I want to live not a leftover life, but an abundant life that you have for me with every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, I pray you wrap your arms around people today. If you're here today or you're watching online and you're not a child of God, 
You've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart. You never realized that Jesus died on the cross to be the sacrifice for your sin. You've never repented. You've never said, I want to change my mind. God is good. I want to come and be a part of the family of God. I want to pray for you today. Right now, it's very simple. All you have to do is pray in faith and repeat after me. So would you pray this prayer? Say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Today I repent. Jesus, come inside my heart. And today I confess you as my Lord. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we give all of those who prayed the prayer for the very first time a great round of applause? We want to welcome you home. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.